0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we've got our annual Winter Buyer's Guide recap episode of Gear 30. And so today, we are talking about our big new 23 24 Winter Buyer's Guide that hopefully most of you have seen by now. But if you haven't, and if you are the sort who likes Buyer's Guide, well, dear Lord folks, you need to check this one out. And we are going to make the case for why you should check this one out. So in this conversation, I am joined by Luke Coppa, Kara Williard, and Dylan Wood. And we're going to talk about what's new and what's different about our latest buyer's guide, but also, and really importantly, what is the same about our buyer's guide? Spoiler alert, what is the same about our guide is actually very different from virtually every other buyer's guide out there. Fun fact for those of you who didn't know that. I also talk with Luke and Kara and Dylan about some of the most notable trends that we saw putting together this guide. We do our Rest in Peace Awards. It's a really sad addition for me this year. But then we also do our Good Riddance Award, because there are a couple of pieces of gear that we're not sad at all that those are going away. We also have Dylan Wood basically invent a new award In this conversation, (laughs) the Blister Glow Up Award, so stay tuned for that. And then, as you will hear me say, we were supposed to be joined by the strikingly handsome Justin Bob to talk about some of the snowboard categories. But Justin, he's also, when he's not producing podcasts, a firefighter. And man, he had quite a day today. So Luke, Kara, Dylan, and I recorded on Wednesday afternoon I am recording this introduction Wednesday evening. And J-Bob and I, and I believe in our ability to do this, he and I are going to connect on Thursday while I am on the road. We're going to connect, do the snowboard talk then. uh, And then we're also going to follow that up with a crashes and close calls segment. And that, folks, is the episode. So if you haven't yet seen our 2324 Winter Buyer's Guide. You can download a copy for yourself on our website. We do still have some print copies of the guide left. I'm just going to say it. It is a beautiful book and works really well as a coffee table book or frankly, just a reference guide for this year's gear. So check it out. Just go to the navigation bar on the Blister website and you will find it. Right there. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by Black Sheep Sports, which is our blister recommended shop in Munich, Germany. So, if you live anywhere near Munich or will be traveling anywhere near Munich, start the season off right by booking a boot fitting appointment with their MasterFit certified fitters. You will receive a one on one consultation. And boot fitting has always been a major staple of what Black Sheep does. And if you need more evidence of that, just do a search for Sebastian Steinbach or Black Sheep Sports in this Gear 30 feed. You will be able to hear Sebastian himself talk about how they operate at Black Sheep Sports. And folks, this is a real deal shop, which is why they're a blister recommended shop. Their boot fitters are experts in everything from custom insoles to stance balancing to boot customization to meet your needs. And they also sell aftermarket liners from Intuition, Cetus, and ZipFit. So you can book an appointment via the link that we will have for Black Sheep Sports in the show notes of this episode. And then you can go talk gear with their staff and discuss anything and everything from skis, boots, bindings, and avalanche safety equipment. Everything that Black Sheep Sports stocks is from a brand that they personally ski and trust with an impressive and curated selection of free ride skis from brands like Moment, Armada, RMU, and G3. So go check out Black Sheep's truly dialed shopping space and see for yourself why black sheep is one of our blister recommended shops and now let's talk gear and let's talk some trash with luke kara dylan and Bob. here we go All right, well, I'm very happy to be here with Kara Williard, Luke Kappa, and Dylan Wood. We're supposed to be here, too, with the strikingly handsome Justin Bob. He had kind of an emergency come up, and so Justin is going to be joining us at the end of this program, Um, which is kind of a real bummer. It was going to have fun to add J-Bob into the mix here. But um, anyway... Let us not be deterred or disappointed. Instead, let us talk about our latest massive buyer's guide. Kara Williard, can you give us a couple stats about our latest guide, our 23-24 winter buyer's guide?
1: Sure. Well, I am super proud of the team. This year's buyer's guide was quite the feat. It definitely occupied many months of our time. So this year's guide featured over 310 skis. We had over 70 pairs of ski boots, um, 50 snowboard-related products, and I'm super psyched because we had three women's-specific sections, which was a sort of new format, and um, within those sections, we had over 60 women-specific or unisex skis that we were able to compare against each other. So, um, yeah, that was this year's guide in a few basic stats.
0: Well, that's a very succinct and nice recap there Kara. um luke anything else new and notable about this particular edition of our winter buyer's guide
2: it is our heaviest buyer's guide (laughs) do we do we have like
0: grams do we do
2: we have like uh one pound eight ounces
0: one pound eight ounces yeah i don't
2: use grams over here in america you know that (laughs) except for everything else we do except for everything else we do 100. But uh, yeah, it works as a great fly swatter. Um, I My house has been infested with flies and, more concerningly, yellow jackets. Uh, and I've racked up quite the kill count using this year's buyer's guide. It works way better than last year's for that. Uh, as You're just out there <laughs> killing yellow jackets with our buyer's guide? In my room. Once I'll, I'll let them live if they are anywhere else. But once they're in my room, I that's like the one thing I have a... Uh, irrational fear of and so when i'm trying to work and there's like one that lands on my hand it's it's not making it out of here
0: (laughs) where are you living i haven't seen your like current place since you moved but
2: well we just happen to have some doors that don't get closed (laughs) very often (laughs) Mm. Um, (laughs) wow has your hand if anybody else here have problems with yellow jackets Yeah,
0: no. Not not inside my house, thankfully.
3: Yeah, I
2: got stung by a bee outside the other day, but not inside. Wow. Yeah, my goal is to not get stung inside my own house. Um, We also, side note, (laughs) have you guys ever used a salt gun for bugs? Yeah, It does make it a lot more fun. Yeah, Um, but then you have salt
1: all over your house.
2: Yeah, I have (laughs) carpets so you can't see it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, back to the guide. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's heavy. It feels nice in your hands. And as Kara mentioned, the big change this year was the expansion of the women's sections. We have two um, women's all mountain ski sections and then one women's powder ski section. Uh, Kara, Kristen, and Sasha did a great job with those this year. I think they are more, they help make those sections more useful because we're comparing more comparable skis in a given section, makes the spectrums more useful. Psyched on that. I expect that to continue next year, uh, especially now that uh, Kristen will be in CB and when when Kara moved to the Crescent Butte Gunnison Valley, uh, we really ramped things up on the women's side, and I expect that to continue uh, this winter. So that's exciting, and yeah, mostly it's the just the general size and quantity of products included. It's large. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had we had one comment come in right that said something like. You know, once again, wonderful buyer's guide, but I think I like this one worse than some of your past guides. Like, you didn't even talk about the Razi Soul 7. And we were like, that ski's been discontinued for like three years. And to remind people, we talk about current products in our buyer's guide, not things that stopped existing three years ago.
2: As much as we would like to. Like that's what our our website's for and that's, that's what, what our blister memberships for. Like hey. if you like you could always hit a, if you're a blister member you can ask us how this ski can, compares to the Soul 7 which is a question we get pretty often. Uh but yeah, for the buyer's guide it's current The paper is finite. We it's, can't we, we can't yeah. talk about every ski made ever in in the buyer's guide. It's it's supposed to be the more digestible version of our our very long and wordy reviews.
0: Yeah though blister members can access every single year of the buyer's guide we have ever done but yeah i mean if we started just chronicling every ski ever made i mean that's actually like staggering first of all the shipping would start to become like $100 per guide and it's already significant it's already <laughs> um so yeah so one our buyer's guide is current products luke you very eloquently said if you have a question about a discontinued product, that's where you, Luke, I want to get this right so you don't get mad at me. Send, become a Blister member, send a question in through the Blister member clubhouse. Correct. Correct. Yes.
2: Yeah. Which is also where you can read this year's guide, all the past year's guide, anything related to your membership, it's in the clubhouse. Yeah.
0: One other uh, comment that I really loved is, um, I get, like, I I mentioned this a lot. I get sent, like, a lot of links or, like, screenshots of things written around the internet. And somebody was, like, um, hey, uh, I just got another, like, ski guide. I won't mention the name. And I was, like, I don't know. It seemed pretty shady. Like, does anybody know, like, is the blister guide legit? Or is it, like, some of the other guides out there that are kind of like pay to play stuff, or you can buy editor's choice awards, or those are part of ad deals. So I just want to say again, for the record, uh, no, no brand paid to be in this guide, no brand paid for any award that was given. I don't know how many times we have to say this going on year 13 of Blister. It's just not how we operate. And um, we still don't operate that way. We've never operated that, that way. Uh, what you read is our honest opinion. And we actually bother to test stuff a lot, arguably more than any other outlet, probably more than virtually any other outlet. Maybe there's something out there I haven't heard of. Um, we put time in. These are our assessments. If you disagree with us on something, it is a free country. Um, and we always are cool with like reasonable disagreements about a product, but uh, we've put the time in. Our team takes this stuff incredibly seriously. If they didn't, I would have murdered them by now or fired them by now. Uh, so I don't know what else to say, but uh, the guide is legit. This is our best assessment. Check it out. Also, you can read our mission statement on Blister. Maybe, maybe we should mention that too. Might be time for to address, you know, as we keep kind of growing and more people sort of learn about us, you can go read our Blister manifesto on the website if you are unsure how we operate. Let's dive into com- some specific questions and topics. Um, biggest trends, you know, we spend all this time sort of assembling and assessing. Sort of the you know the crop of twenty three twenty four products, Luke. What kind of stands out for you on this front?
2: It was pretty similar to the past few years in that we are. It seems like we are very much in kind of like the market tends to act like a pendulum, swinging between extremes, and I feel like we've been in the middle for a couple of years now, uh, and that holds true, I think, for twenty three twenty four. Uh, Lots of evolution, not so much revolution. I think especially in the like all mountain category, most of the skis are kind of converging on similar middle of the road concepts rather than being wild in certain regards, but we are still seeing uh, frankly, more interesting and different uh, skis being added to the market each year. Very often, this is from the smaller brands. Um, Heritage Lab deserves a shout out for that because, I mean, what I just described is basically why they started the company. Uh, they wanted to bring back some of the less mainstream and less middle of the road designs uh, of the past. And so we've got a few of their skis in our guide this year. Um, but even bigger brands like Rosinol, the Sender Free One Ten is not a ski for everyone, but it's one of the highest profile skis of this season, and one of uh, a favorite of some of our reviewers. Uh, And so it's 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 cool that it's not totally kind of just vanilla across the board. Uh, We're still seeing interesting interesting designs, some companies taking some chances, but overall it's like every every year when I have to do go through and edit and write blurbs for our all mountain sections it it can be just debilitating to my brain because you're it, it, we're, we're trying to do this in like 170 words and describe these minute like in some cases minute differences where certain skiers could, have a very very similarly good time on two skis but we're trying to like identify these tiny differences in these tiny paragraphs uh and that is not at all to say that all these skis are the same they do have all these distinct differences it's just in certain cases you're you're having to get a lot more granular than say like our touring section where you can have a very vast variety in terms of approaches to a touring ski so, I think that's kind of the general state of the union on um, where the, the ski industry is going in terms of design.
0: Dylan, anything to add? No, I think Luke
3: summarized my thoughts as well. Uh, it sort of seems like companies are sort of clipping off the extreme ends of spectrums in the ski world and kind of focusing everything more towards the middle where like the average ski is more more appropriate for the average skier than ever. And, you know, categories like our all-mountain charger category are shrinking. It's the smallest it's ever been this year. Um, you know, like, like Luke said, companies like Heritage Labs are still making unique skis out there. But yeah, skis are more likable than ever, I suppose. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the other thing, I mean, we've actually talked about this so much over the last year. I was surprised that you guys didn't mention it. Um obviously the boa trend um in terms of the boot world, um it one of the biggest developments. Uh I would say of the last man, 5 years at least, maybe pushing into more like the last 10 years if you looked at ski boots You know, we certainly saw big developments and trends in terms of much better walking touring boots, much better downhill performance out of touring boots. And so I think that probably had been the biggest trend in the boot world. Then there's BOA now, and that's not going away. Like, you know, more boots, I believe, will be getting BOA. And if boots aren't getting BOA specifically, and if boots aren't getting a BOA specific system, there will be attempts to create something similar to it. But I I think we will absolutely continue to see, boots are still going to be made with buckles, but buckles are not trending right now, you know? Um, so, my little take on that in terms of the trend landscape.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely obviously kicked off this year, and I suspect it will be yeah significantly more prevalent yeah. next year
0: yeah. And by the way, in case somebody's missed the many freaking hours of conversations we've had about this, I think I can say speak for all of us we're for it. Yeah. Okay. Say
2: in general, yeah, I think we still I still want to put a full season in a boa boot, um, but. Yeah, I think th- performance wise, I'm, I think it's just a better option than buckles and we'll see what it's like to live with after like Kara spent most of the second half of the season in a boot with a boa. I spent a fair bit, but yeah, with any new yeah. tech, I'm always going to be a yeah. little skeptical.
0: Yeah, yeah. And by the way, also, I guess I should say this does not mean we now think if you have a boot with buckles on it, you should throw it in the trash. <laughs> not at all. Um, and again, you should be able to do an easy search to find the gear 30 podcasts where we've covered this topic, uh, arguably to death. Um, but anyway, and our ski
2: boot panel discussion on our YouTube channel
0: and our ski boot panel discussion on our YouTube channel. Yes.
2: Um,
0: okay. Let's keep it moving. Um, always my least favorite topic to discuss are rest in peace awards. For discontinued products. This is just... I feel like this is the ski industry's annual, like, kick me in the balls moment. And um, so, here we go. Um, Luke, I'll let you kick things off, if you like.
2: Yeah, fortunately, my yeah, mine is not... It's not totally dead, but mine's the Sir Francis Bacon from Line. Uh, the previous generation was... One of my favorite skis because it very much was not serving the middle of the bell curve. It was exceptionally playful in every interpretation of that very vague word. Uh, But I mean, consequently, like it wasn't going to work for a a whole lot of people. It was super soft, very light, convex tips and tails that um, I'd heard... People had issues with durability and they can feel kind of weird, but all of that added up to something that was really different from uh, almost anything else I tried. Uh, so, for 2324, it's no longer the Sir Francis Bacon, it's just called the Bacon 108. Uh, it is very similar in a lot of regards except it is a whole lot heavier. And while it doesn't feel as heavy as it is on paper, it's just it just doesn't stand out. As much as the original, it is still a very soft, generally playful ski. It just doesn't have that undefinable X factor of the original. Uh, I think the new Bacon 108 will work for a larger variety of people, but it won't work as well for me.
0: (laughs) We should say the line outline and line Mm -hmm. Bacon 115, yeah.
2: Yeah, I I would say... Fairly similar things, but I don't... The outline didn't stand out as much to me as the previous Sir Francis Bacon did. Uh, I liked both a lot, but I think because the outline was a bit stiffer and a bit heavier than the Sir Francis Bacon, it was less of a an outlier. And yeah, the funny thing to me with the, the new Bacon 108 and 115 is when we weighed them, I was super surprised. And when I skied them, I didn't think they felt that heavy in both a good way and a bad way. I was kind of impressed by how not stable they were for how heavy they were. Um, but uh, also, they didn't feel that, sl- that sluggish. So, I don't know. I think, I think certain people are going to get along notably better with the new ones, but not, not so much for me.
0: I have a rest in peace award. This one hurts. The Razi Sender Squad. Um, it's maybe the only ski that ever spurred its own gear 30 podcast called the Mount Rushmore of ski suspension. I'm still really proud of that title. Cause my God, we're in the like woods. We're real down the rabbit hole <laughs> on that one. Um, but that Razi sender squad is one of my all-time favorite skis for suspension for its suspension and i used to talk about this yeah it only came in a 194 um and for a technical mountain like crested butte like i am not looking for the longest ski in the world and yet that thing skied incredibly smoothly and nice um and i always said if Razi were to make that in like a 186 187 it would be in the running for like my favorite ski of all time luke luke you don't do this is my this is my segment luke you keep your thoughts to yourself i listened to you talk about the lightweight bacon for five minutes so you can just chill here um it's gone um I still put that ski up to all ski makers as an example of when we're talking about a ski with like incredible suspension, um, that ski has to be sort of examined, deserves to be examined. Um, no, it was not poppy or playful. It was not sort of energetic. Uh, it was an incredible carver. Um, I, I, th- I just, I quite liked that ski and it is gone okay, Luke, you can rain on my funeral parade now.
2: I was just smirking because you're like, what if they made a 186-centimeter version and that's the length that the Black Ops 18 comes in? And yes, they're obviously different, but suspension-wise.
0: And I love that ski, ski, right? We all love that ski, right? But it's not... I mean, that that sender squad, it was coming in at 111, 112. Um, For my all-mountain ski in Crested Butte, yeah. And I actually very much have had this conversation multiple times with Rosignol, So, mm-hmm. like, put it in the 106 to 108, get it on the heavier side, try to keep the exact same suspension property of the sender squad. Because, yes, Rosie obviously makes some skis that kind of um, on paper look like, you know, they're playing that 104, 106 range. I'm just saying, this is my little segment. Shrink that sender squad or just keep it around, right, and I'll deal with the fact that it's a one ninety four and one twelve under uh, one twelve underfoot, et cetera but um that ski uh you know we've been getting on a lot of skis over the last thirteen years, and that ski did stand out to me as really, really interesting and special and different so okay, Luke is not. <laughs> Remind me not to invite you to my funeral, Luke. Guys, when I die, don't let Luke come. He's going to be like, you like, know... There's
2: someone else that's just like Jonathan. <laughs> and they're still alive.
3: <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal?
2: Yeah.
0: There's, there's... Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Kara Jonathan and Dylan, looks
1: genuinely sad right now, too, for those that are <laughs> <laughs> missing this. He started it. He looked a little bit teary, so...
0: Don't this worry. Is, there's this real. no
3: one
2: like you, Jonathan. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we only got 300, 310 skis in the guide and there's 8 billion people in the world, but (laughs) skis skis are pretty important. That's true. Skis are pretty important.
0: Anyway, I think the biggest takeaway from this part of our conversation is Kara and Dylan, please don't let Luke come to my funeral. Except it probably will cheer everybody up for like the four people that are sad. They'll be like, Luke's got a point. There's a lot of great people on earth. So, um, I don't know. Oh, boy. We'll let you all figure this out. Okay. Any other rest in peace awards? Dylan?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mine isn't a specific ski, but actually a manufacturer of skis. Um, It is a bummer not to see Sego skis in our buyer's guide. As far as we know, they are no longer being produced. And it's a real shame because um, I think the Comp 110 and the Bighorn 106 specifically were two of my favorite skis probably of all time. They consistently made appearances in my ski quiver choice articles. And I just think they had a you know solid lineup made in the USA in a nice little ski town up in Idaho. So yeah, bummer to not see Sago in the guide this year
0: yeah and um you know it i think kind of underscores a few points here one um being a ski manufacturer and making your own skis is a very tough business and i think that maybe people who are you know passionate recreational skiers and and this isn't sort of the world they work in they look at things like man that would be sick to like own a ski company or make your own skis. And every ski company that we talk to, especially those that perhaps that are building skis, building their own skis, they're all working real hard. You know, this stuff is no joke. And while, yes, these are the things we use to go play and have a great time in the mountains. Um, if you don't have the business side of things really dialed and sometimes there are factors of I think it's fair to just say luck that factor into all of this. If everything isn't aligning, it is a tough business to be in. And I think anybody who's ever worked in the manufacturing space, maybe of any product would be nodding along right now. And, um, you know, I think we're seeing this across a number of categories, right? We're seeing a number of breweries going away. Sometimes these are just the realities of life, but I think maybe if there's a takeaway from this, if you have a manufacturer of any product that you really like, or certainly if it's a a ski company, show them your support, you know, um, show them your support because it, it is a tough business. Yeah. And I agree with you, uh, Dylan, couple of Sago skis in particular, I really liked. And, um, so it's not, (laughs) It's not just that like, oh, you know, the companies that never could figure it out or make a good product, of course they'll go away. It's like, um, it's a tough game. So yeah, good to, good, good for you to mention Sego. All right. Well, to transition into sort of happier, but not that happy, uh, news, I guess we're going to talk about our good riddance award. Um, shockingly, I don't have one this year. Um, that doesn't seem on brand for me, but um, Kara, what do you have?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's been interesting with the advent of Boa Boots, um, certain boot manufacturers are maybe switching up sort of their long-standing Alpine boot realm. Um, and we're seeing that, you know, from several brands and some kind of staple boots we did see go away this year. Not related to BOA, we did see the Lang RX go away. Mm. That was an interesting one just because it's been around for yeah. like 12 years. Yeah. You know, I've fit a lot of people in that boot. I think it certainly had its place. But my good riddance award is going to go to the Solomon S Pro. Mm. They actually haven't fully done away with that boot, but they're slowly phasing it out. Um, So that being said, if you love the S Pro, you should probably get your hands on the last pairs they're making. Um, they're no longer offering it in a 130. But from my perspective, that boot is uh it kind of just like fit like a blob. Like it didn't have a very anatomical shape. Um, it never really worked that well for a lot of people. Like very few instances I would find a foot that maybe had a shape that it worked with, but it was never uh, a great boot in my opinion. And um yeah, it just kind of was lacking in a lot of ways. I think just from like the stiffness profile. It didn't have any ability to do canting or cuff alignment, which I just thought was really weak mm. from like Solomon's, you know, 130 medium volume boot. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to miss that boot. I think there's so many better options that kind of, you know, in the 100 millimeter realm um, can work a lot better for people. And they're now replacing that with their S-Pro Supra, uh, which has a boa. And I think for my time in the women's is a better shape. And I think a little bit more promising.
2: Yeah, that that boot um, on the topic of like canting and cuff alignment, it's the only one that very clearly did not align with my body geometry. Hmm. It was the first time I felt like a boot because of either canting or cuff alignment or both made every ski I was on feel railed and like that's not a slight against the boot, it just didn't work for me but uh, it was a very, very confusing day <laughs> when I got on like three different skis. I was like, I can't ski anymore. Yeah, so that uh, the new the women's Espro Superboa 105 in particular, uh, I think is my favorite looking boot in the yes, guide because it comes in all pink. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe next year, off <laughs> to one thirty.
0: Kara's gonna have to do some boot work on Luke to get him in that boot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want Luke to ski a 105. In Twenty Interesting.
0: Yeah. Just a couple pairs of socks, Luke. <laughs> 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 work great. Dylan, do you, are you got a good riddance award, or are we move it on?
3: Yeah, um, I would like to say good riddance to the Rosignol Sender squad. <sighs> um, no, I'm just kidding. I thought it was fine, but I do think the Sender Free 110 is more is more appropriate for
0: more skiers. I mean, that's but, complete apples and oranges. Complete yeah. apples and oranges. Complete <laughs> apples and oranges. It's
4: like
2: uh, a different kinds of apples. It's like a Fuji <laughs> apple to a Granny Smith. No, I mean. they're off by two millimeters underfoot. They weigh basically the same in equivalent lengths. Mount points are super different. Mount plex are pattern is different. Di- yeah, but
3: yeah, no, I, I I rarely found myself recommending the center squad to people, but yeah. mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely recommended more center freedom tents. Yeah. This isn't
0: about you, Dylan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, I I I mean, if the question is do I think more people would get along with a sender-free 110 than a 194-centimeter-long sender squad? Yes, the sender-free 110 definitely should be under the feet of more people, but I don't think that negates in any way anything I have said about that ski.
2: Yeah, I can also relate because the... Like, relate to you wanting just a narrower... More versatile version of the squad. That's what I want for the Black Ops One Eighteen. Right, right. Center free One Ten. Kind of, kind of that, but not really. Not um, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I can relate there. Thank My you. for for me, the Good Riddance Award was would go to the Black Crow's Orb, hmm. the regular one, the not Freebird one. Uh, that ski just never quite made sense to me. Uh, it had a strange flex pattern and it was pretty light, but it had a really stiff tail, and I it was. It was, I think it had a very, very small niche where it worked well. Uh, And so I am fine with that disappearing, especially because they make some other very good skis around the same with the Serpo being one of my favorites. So I was, uh, when I found out they were discontinuing the regular Orb, I was not, not upset.
0: Well, good riddance. All you terrible products, except the squad, we'll miss you forever. Hey, at my funeral, maybe put a pair of those squads in the casket with me. (laughs) And then Luke can be like, good (laughs) (laughs) riddance both of those things in the casket. Put
2: your casket on a pair of squads, send you down the hill on fire, Viking style.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Luke, you are allowed back at the funeral. In fact, you are now in charge of it. (laughs) You now have great ideas. All right. This is kind of the thing I think we just do annually. And we sort of say we're going to change this at some point, but then I'm not sure how much we really do. I think we should talk about our best of section. Luke, please explain.
2: Yeah. So we do our best of section is different than most buyers guides. And I mean, basically what we just talked about is kind of how we approach it. Like the whole rest of the guide our only goal is to help you figure out if a given product is gonna be a good fit or a bad fit for you or somewhere in the middle, whatever. The best of section is where we get to be or get to talk about our personal preferences and it's the products that we think we just either really like or that we think really stand out in their category. Uh, There are a few of them where they get the best of award because they can work for so many other people. Uh, And that's why we have little blurbs in that section describing why each product was included. Like the K2 Mindbender 99, that's not a ski that uh, stands out in any one particular very specific regard. Mm -hmm. It stands out because it does so many things so well. And then, but on the other hand, you have skis like the... Center Free 110 is in there this year. Uh, I replaced the Sir Francis Bacon with the RMU Apostle 106 because it's super, super playful. And I really like it because of that. So, that's, that's how we approach it. And we explain it in the intro to the Best Of section. It's, it's written there. It's written <laughs> there. Who wants say it again, to read. Luke,
0: If you just read at the start yeah. of the section, we lay it out there. And mm-hmm. some people clearly don't read. But- yeah. All the rest of you, probably, it's probably like 98% of you actually, shout out, congrats on your reading comprehension. But to the 2% of you, I'm, I'm trying not to swear right now. <laughs> yeah. um, do better. Just do better. Just do better. I mean, is, can I say this? Am I allowed to say this? I think we can say that actually everything about Blister is like, we don't care about best of it's just like kind of the opposite of how we operate. And so we say it in there and we do explain it in there. And Luke, you just did a great job of explaining kind of what it means. But I do think that in general, this is one of my frustrations about marketing of products and frankly, other review outlets in general, like the whole thing. I, I actually was just at a conference and I was talking about this. Everything you look up is the 10 best blah, blah, blah right? I'm sorry, but wire cutter, you're guilty of this. So many like, quote unquote, serious review outlets do this. And apparently they do it for stupid fucking SEO reasons. But this isn't actually about trying to line people up with the gear or products that will actually work best with them. It has nothing to do with that. And so I sort of hate the whole proliferation of best of blah, 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 or the six best fucking Drinking cups of 2023. It's just like it's so tired and bad. And if you buy into it, you're kind of like failing the like life IQ test. And so we do this section and it is different. Sometimes, as Luke said, sometimes we will say this product's in here because, like the Mindbender 99 Ti, it does work remarkably well for a broad range of people sometimes we're calling it out because it's really quirky and it might not be for you so you gotta read but mm-hmm. let's like get away from the whole culture of like best of everything that's my it,
2: tr- it drives me absolutely nuts and i yeah like that's the question i always get when i tell people what i do They're like oh what's the yeah what's, what's the best ski this year i yeah. was like
0: for what? <laughs> yeah, like we've got to actually undo somehow fight against however many years that this has been going on. But like yeah. got to like if the, if you're still thinking and approaching expensive purchases with this kind of mindset of like I'll just go to blister or whatever outlet and see what they said was the best whatever and I'm just getting that. It's like seriously folks.
2: Yeah. I mean I can totally understand it. But yeah, I th- we're, we'll keep trying to bang this drum and but keep encouraging people to consider context and nuance in a world that doesn't give a shit about that stuff. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well said. And I need a drink now. Thanks yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This is a fun section. It actually has nothing to do with the buyer's guide now, but um, Luke put this in and I, I wrote down a number of things. Let's mention some of the gear that you all are most excited to spend more time on this season, or maybe you don't have any time in it yet, but we've got the product and, and we're chomping at the bit.
3: Kara? I am personally pretty excited to start carving again. Yeah. I think it's pretty great that like ski season starts with one pretty low consequence terrain that's really good to get back in the flow. And two, you basically like the best thing you can do, the most fun thing you can do early season is like the fundamental technique of skiing, which is carving. So I'm excited to start carving again, specifically on the Rossignol Forza. We spent some time on that ski last year, just a few days. We got near the end of the season and spent some time on the Blister Summit as well. It was a really responsive, dynamic carver to me that... Comes in a variety of models for different ability levels, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, definitely excited to start carving again and carving on that ski a bit.
0: Agreed. I do not want to stop mountain biking right now because it is gorgeous here in the Gunnison Valley, but I am excited to start carving skis. So my brain is going to have to deal with those two uh, diametrically opposed things. Kara?
1: Yeah, I would echo what Dylan said. I also have my eyes on the Rossignol Forza and I'm just going to really challenge myself to spend more time on frontside skis early in the season as well as more lightweight touring gear. Um, I kind of like feel like I slack on the early season touring oftentimes and this year I just want to like get out, test more. I know we have quite a bit coming in especially like in new boots and things like that so I just want to uh, yeah kind of expand my horizons in both frontside skis and lightweight touring gear. Um, But then I'm also really keen to request the Stance 102 in a shorter length um, because you guys talk about that ski so much. And now we have like the new Vocal Secret 102, and I would love to have some more direct comparisons there. So I'm going to opt to get that ski in a 176 centimeter this year and spend some time on it.
2: 176 sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Stance 102 definitely deserves a shout out. It made it into the best of category. And like, mm. if our buyer's guide was like a yearbook, I think Stance 102 gets like best glow up award or something, you know? <laughs> best glow <laughs> In the back pages. Word. You know, it was like, nice. maybe he was kind of a kind of a mean like football player his <laughs> freshman and sophomore year and was like picking on kids and stuff. And, you know, some people liked him because he was funny, but then, you know, sophomore year he started like do my theater and whatnot. And oh. now everyone likes him. He's really nice. So the stance
2: one or two is Troy Bolton.
3: <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. That's
0: what <laughs> I was trying to say. <laughs> Amazing. That was great. The the glow-up award. Soon yep. we're gonna yep. have to
1: start doing yearbook awards for yeah. some yeah,
0: we might. Um yeah.
2: Luke, what do you got? Uh for me, I would say there are several. Uh, I want to get more time on the longer length at the moment. Kuntosh 110. Yes. Because uh, I really liked when I skied the 182, I think it was mm. uh, last year. And I want to spend more time on the Solomon QST Echo 106. Those are both uh, on my Q- list, Luke. Yeah. Two for two. And then the probably the main one, uh, mostly because of how short and uh, exciting my time on was. On it was was the Vocal Revolt 114. Uh, I didn't get to ski it at the summit, and then we got it very late in the season, and I skied it on our last pow day of the season, which was like three days before closing day, uh, and then almost knocked myself out on it, and uh, got, I think I only got like three runs on it, but it is a very stable, heavy pow ski that isn't super directional and was surprisingly maneuverable and could ski it with a variety of stances. And so that's kind of like my top contender for resort pow skis this year. And I very much look forward to getting the conditions that warrant breaking it back out.
0: I've got a bit of a list that I'm going to sort of roll through here. But so before I do that, Dylan, did you have anything else?
3: Yeah. I'm not sure you all actually know about this ski, but we will be able to ski the 194-centimeter Forefront Devastator this year. Mm. And I really like the 186. I think it really stood out for how maneuverable it was. And while I don't think this new 194 Devastator will be anything like the old 194 yeah. Devastator, I am excited to get on a longer length of that ski and see if it brings a bit more of a charging attitude to an already really playful and maneuverable ski. And I, I kind of think it'll sort of settle into a category of like a lighter M3 108, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see. So, i to try
0: it. And Dylan, the reason, I mean, if somebody's like 194, that's way too long. That 186 Devastator ski's really short, right? Yeah, really short. It's a,
3: it's a reverse camber ski. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that, yeah. 194 is like the longest. Uh, and I rarely like things more than like 191, 192,
0: but I, I think we should be able to get away with the 194 yeah. Devastator. Agreed. No, that'll be a cool ski to check out. All right, I'm going to go. Here, here's my list. This comment came in on our site and it's pretty great and undeniably true. Um, I, I want to pronounce this right. Uh, the comment came in from... Suriolry, S-U-R-I-O-L-R-Y, Suriolry, Apologies, I guarantee I'm not pronouncing that correctly. But uh, this person wrote, quote, it is a crime against humanity that Ellsworth has not reviewed the 190 centimeter length of the moment Wildcat, the sort of updated version. So the story here is I got just a little bit of time on the 190 Wildcat the updated version of my favorite ski of all time the 190 Moment Baby Pro which then became the Blister Pro um so i got on it enough to say like it is back um that ski saw a number of changes and tweaks i very much liked the version that i was on but but surrealry is right um this this needs proper time on snow with a proper review and update um it is the season to get a full full review of the one ninety Wildcat.
2: Maybe the one ninety six too. No, I don't. Really, I don't need that ski in my life. will send that to Paul. Yeah,
0: that's for you, Paul. Um,
2: yeah, if we're talking
0: Alaska, then then I'm fine. You can make those things like two hundred and thirty six centimeters long. It doesn't <laughs> matter up there. Um, yeah, so I'd be I'd be cool with that. Uh the other thing I'm most excited to spend more time on this season is actually gear I'd like to spend the first time on this season which is still snowboard shit. Uh people um dear Gear 30 listeners there's many thousands of you and I, I got to say we we made a deal we had a pact all we need to do is get to 750 stupid ratings in Apple podcast And not just me, but I'm going to recruit some of the folks on this call and other maybe reviewers at Blister. We're going to go make the Blister crash course snowboard video. I have spent years of my life terrified of getting onto a snowboard. I don't really know what happened, but I now want to do this very much. The window might close here, right? Right. And so I want to thank every one of you that has left a review because honestly a lot of your comments are really really nice and or really funny and so I always think like we got a lot of like smart funny thoughtful kind and pretty sharp people in our you know community but um we've been talking about this long enough we just got to get to 750 and this goes and if we don't get there I feel like I frankly feel like you haven't kept up your part of the bargain. And when I go break both my wrists, as Cody Townsend predicted on our last Blister podcast episode, if I'm laying there with broken wrists and I'm like, the other team, the community didn't hold up their end of the bargain, I just feel I'm going to be bitter and might shut down gear 30 or something. So let's make this happen. That's all I got.
2: Yeah, I want to go snowboarding more. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Luke, I mean, Luke, I have a feeling is
2: going to be really good. It's yeah. super fun. I miss what I But hear. we have too many skis to test, so I'm not like allowed to go snowboarding. Right, <laughs> exactly. But if we get to the 750,
0: then we have to make good, because that's the other part of this, the weird guilt we feel of like, people are like, wait, so do you ever like take days of skiing where you just go ski? And I'm like, no, not ever. I'm always, if I'm on snow, I'm and I know you guys are all nodding along, like... If we're on snow, we are testing. So there aren't the like free days where we just don't go do anything. Maybe that's a good—that's probably good to explain to the audience why they're like, "Dude, just go get on a floor." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we have a lot of stuff we're supposed to be reviewing. Dylan, can I tell people how many ratings we need? Oh, yeah. We are at we are at six thirty six. Six thirty six. So we need one hundred fourteen. 100 so of,
3: okay, one hundred fourteen of you listeners just need to tell a friend to rate it if you've already rated it or rated yourself
0: but look we we like real reviews right so what i always say my my thing and i still kind of stand by this i came up with this a while ago if you've listened to five episodes or more of gear 30 and you're still listening that's where we think it's kind of a fair trade you owe us a rating if you are just new here and you're not sure what this is and you're like that one guy sounds like a dick that's fair And don't worry about rating or you can leave one star. (laughs) It's fine. But if you've been doing this for a while and like, like, look, I know Cody says, I never tell him about analytics. We're probably going to get at least 10,000 downloads of this episode. And that's when I'm like, okay, we need 114, but 10,000 plus people are going to listen to this. That's when I'm like, yo, I'm not breaking my wrist for nothing here.
2: Yeah. But if you do think that guy sounds like a dick. If you submit a review, oh. then he might break his wrist. And then you're so, like, I got that dick uh, to go break his wrists."
0: A, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: We did say we need 755 star ratings.
0: Yeah. I mean, we ratings. like those because we work real hard and it makes us feel bad, you know, like when, you know, criticism, it's tough, but um, I don't know. But on a, But again, so yeah, do what you want, but let's make this happen. This is a community effort. But I want to just reiterate. I really some of the thoughtful and often funny comments that come in. I do read them all, and I I haven't told you, Dylan. I actually want to make a thing in our newsletter where we highlight a couple of the like podcast reviews that come in because they're they're That's honestly. They're, they're, uh, they're often pretty great and sometimes mm-hmm. funny and sometimes heartwarming. Like the family, the guy who just wrote in is like, I love gear 30. Thank you so much. My whole family is back on snow now. And I'm like, this is wonderful. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's and then nice. occasionally there's like, I don't like that the host tries to sound like a news anchor or something. <laughs> and then those are sad moments for me. But you know, what are you going to yeah. do? Um, Keep, keeps okay. them up at night. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so number one, Yes. The 190 Wildcat 2, I got to snowboard this winter. Um, I already mentioned uh, Solomon Echo 106. I spent all of my uh, late spring touring days on that ski, much to Cody Townsend's chagrin because he keeps being like, dude, what do you think of the ski? And I, <laughs> I haven't really told him, but I honestly, I have very, very good impressions of it so far. Also looking forward to getting more time on the Stokely Stormrider 102. We're getting that ski and the Stormrider 95 in and probably another one or two Stokely's for like legit long-term testing. Um, the Nordica Doberman, that's a boot I need to get in. I've actually no real idea if I'm gonna click with that boot or not, but I am curious for sure about that. Um, on the goggle front. I am doubling down and have a new, newfound commitment to finding my personal bad visibility, low light lens. And, um, I have a couple brands and models in mind, but I am just increasingly sick of not being able to see well. And, uh, so I'm going to do some experimenting this year with either like full clear lenses or just yellow. Um, nothing photochromic, you know, and just see see where we get. Luke already mentioned the moment Kuntosh, more time on that for sure. And um, and then one ski that it's been too long since I've been on it, but the headcore 117 Um, I frankly, it was back, I haven't been on that ski since we were still in Taos, and I love that ski in Taos and was just like it's Time to get back on it in, in an appro- appropriate day, appropriate conditions in CB and see if I feel as strongly as I did, you know, some time ago on it. Um, that's my list. That's it, folks. Um, here's the deal. So I'm going to let you guys go in a minute. Justin, Bob and I are going to try to find a time to connect later today to talk about some of the snowboard stuff. But before I let you find people go, let's talk a little bit about how to get the guide, where to find the guide, that sort of thing.
2: Lucas? So so, yeah, go to blisterreview.com and use the navigation bar or the hamburger menu on uh, mobile. And there's a buyer's guide section. And underneath that, if you haven't already bought it, uh, there is a tab that just says get our 2324. Winter Buyer's Guide. If you already paid for it, or you're a Blister member or a Blister Plus member, uh, then there's a tab that just says, read the 2324 Digital Blister Winter Buyer's Guide. And so that's that's how you do it. Uh, If you don't want to pay shipping and don't need the physical copy, you can get the digital one, read it right on our site, get a PDF download, or you can get the print version and the digital version at no extra cost. Um, They're the same, just the shipping difference.
0: Yeah. and Kara.
1: Yeah, and we also have guides. I mean, they shipped all around the world, uh, many to our recommended shops. And so I know there's many shops, uh, both in the US and abroad that have the guide in pretty decent quantities. Uh, this includes outside sports in New Zealand. And then we also have several places in Europe, um, shops in Sweden, Germany, Norway. They all have our guide. Um, so, you know, head to one of our blister recommended shops as you're getting your new boots molded or your new custom insoles built for the season. You can also be flipping through our buyer's guide. Um, so the whole list of those shops is on our site and not all of the shops necessarily have large quantities of the guide,
0: but all of them should have a couple copies for you to look at. Very good. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. It's a monster freaking project and I appreciate all of your work on it and the rest of our team who's not on this particular call, but um, God, it is a big effort. Um, I always tell people, it's like we have to do a master's thesis, but every year, right? Like normal people, maybe if they, it's like, I did a master's degree. No, a master's I wrote one thesis, master's so thesis. It's, it's harder like, than it my like master's thesis one. <laughs> <laughs> So So um, maybe we should just quit Lister. <laughs> That's a thought. But um, no, it's it's a big work. Um, we're proud of it. It is our honest opinions, and we do actually uh test this stuff. Um, and uh we hope that is clear. Um, it's maybe not clear to one person who isn't sure if the guide is legit, but um yeah, uh it is our best assessment. And um, you know, it's kind of the reason we kind of started Blister in the first place. This stuff is really expensive and we aren't trust funders. And so if you aren't a trust funder, maybe you do care before you go drop hundreds or thousands of dollars on ski or snowboard equipment. Is this stuff actually going to work well for me? And um, is it going to make my time better out in the mountains, which we think are some of the best days and times of our lives? So that is why we sweat the details so hard on this. And um, we hope you check it out if you have not already. So anyway, team, thanks to all of you. And I will talk to you again real soon. (laughs) Till next time. time. (laughs) Till next time. All right. Now now next, Justin Bob, the strikingly (laughs) handsome. All right. Amazing. After, like, I don't know, a dozen attempts to connect with the strikingly handsome Justin Bob, we have finally managed to do so on Thursday evening, 9 40 p.m. Central Time. Uh, for those of you listening to this, not watching this, I'm currently sitting on my bed in a hotel in Bentonville, Arkansas. J-Bob is currently set up in an ambulance. Uh, His new podcast studio, apparently. Um, So that's our present situation. I think I'm running on about one hour of sleep. J-Bob, you've had quite a hectic 48 hours. Have you gotten any sleep? Uh,
4: We've had a particularly busy shift. So we get... (laughs) some sleep and some increments, but yeah, it's been a, been a wild one. And of course, all the calls come when I'm trying to connect with you. So that's something to know.
0: We've now named this Ellsworth's law. It's kind of like Murphy's law. Um, But it seems like every time I'm about to connect with you, you're like, dude, just got called out. Got to go save a life or something.
4: Yeah. So I've been in the ambulance all day and now I'm still in it because it's the quietest place I could find here at the station.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for your service. Uh, Even though sometimes I just would like to say, you know, maybe you don't have to save every life, J-Bob. You know, podcasts are important too. And, uh, you know, so just keep that in
4: mind. The next time you get like a call about the fiery car or something. (laughs) We had a fire department uh, hat trick where we had... A car fire, a brush fire, and cardiac arrest call all in the same shift.
0: Uh, okay. Sobering?
4: Yeah. But sobering
0: or just sobering, probably?
4: <laughs> maybe just sobering. Maybe maybe, sobering. maybe a little, okay. yeah.
0: Tell you what, let's do this because I am going to record this with you and try to uh, pass out as quickly as possible. Um, but I have really been looking forward to getting your thoughts on... The snowboard section of our buyer's guide and get some of your thoughts about what you are particularly eager to get on for this coming season. So let's get into this. Um, Talk about some notable trends that you saw as we were putting our guide together on the snowboard side of things.
4: Gotcha. Well, I think one uh, kind of striking visual trend I'm starting to see, and I know you guys have spoken about this on the ski side a bit is a lot of uh black top sheets. And it's uh I like the the simplicity of a black top sheet. And it seems like quite a few companies are just keeping that uh a theme. So I appreciate that. It looks visually pretty good uh in the guide. Um the other trend that we're seeing represented in the guide, but snowboarding overall is uh the volume shift snowboards. So they're the snowboards that often have a bit of a swallowtail shape and they're set back with big noses. They, they're kind of designed to give you a bit more of a surfy ride and feel. And a lot of companies are starting to make them. Um, Amplet, company out of Austria, mm-hmm. has a really cool one called the Snow Malier. And uh, so Rosignol nice. has, has a few that are kind of named after, um, you know, sushi. Type things. There's the sashimi and the sushi. So they're they're fun little, uh, quite specific snowboards. It wouldn't be categorized in the necessarily the all mountain do everything well, but they're really fun on powder days and pretty fun in the moguls. So they're kind of a niche type of snowboard, but they're starting to show up in a lot more places. So I appreciate that as a theme going forward. We talked a lot
0: in our previous part of this episode with Luke and Dylan and Kara about how I am absolutely hell bent on getting on a snowboard this year. And I keep thinking about the fact that like, if you aren't around for my first day on a snowboard, that will be really sad. And so we talked about how we need to get to 750 ratings of Gear 30 in Apple Podcast to trigger and set off this whole thing. But once that happens, and assuming our, our community comes through here and gets us to 750, we got to do my first day on a board together,
4: right? 100% absolutely.
0: Right? I mean, that would well, be like...
4: Mostly for your safety, I think <laughs> I should be there. Well, because you're like a trained paramedic, so that's probably great. Yeah.
0: Ski patrol paramedic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. For all kinds of reasons. Cody Townsend is sure I'm gonna break both my wrists um my first day snowboarding. And so if he's right, then I definitely am gonna want to have you there.
4: Yeah, I mean, there are some pretty practical things you can do to avoid that, like wearing wrist guards and uh I'm doing it. Knee pads are actually a guard. pretty good idea. I actually wear knee pads all the time. Um okay. cause I don't like slamming them on trees. But uh yeah I think I think it's going to be a pretty exciting day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think for day one, now we're
0: way off topic, so we'll we'll end this quickly. But I keep thinking the smart money would be day one. We actually do it on like snodgrass, like a super mellow, low angle backcountry day, but like when there's good snow so that when I'm like slamming, you know off of toe-side turns or heel turns, it won't be quite as violent. Do you think that's the right strategy? I don't want to be on some
4: rock-hard groomer. I think we need to get you on a rock-hard groomer that's low angle. Oh. Yeah. You're not going to learn how to use your edges on the soft snow right away.
0: I don't think I want to learn how to use my edges on day one. This
4: is a mess you got yourself into. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
4: wait. Okay, but I want, I'm asking you to help me out. I I want think you think uh, the snodgrass is the right answer? I want you to learn how to snowboard because also referring to one of the reviewing the news episodes you did with Cody was uh, mentioning that snowboarders generally have a lot more fun and like their sport a bit better. We, we
0: established that. We absolutely established
4: that. But we also
0: established that cross-country skiers love their sport more than snowboarders or alpine skiers love their sports. This is true. I'm not a, I'm not a psychopath. So I'm not, I I don't think I'm going down the cross country road.
4: We'll give you like a fall limit. Once you achieve like 20 toe edge hits, then we'll take you to snot grass and give you a little break.
0: All right. Well, anyway, we can, we'll debate this off air more, but I 100% want to have you there for day, like day one and two at least. Absolutely. Okay. okay. All right. Back to back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> um, okay, so you've named two trends. Uh basically we're seeing some like more unusual niche shapes. And you actually like the black top sheets. I don't know. I, I feel like that's an anti art stance. I like art in the world.
4: Yeah, and, and snowboarding very much is rooted in the top sheet and having art on top sheets, but yeah, I, I do like the the way the black looks, and one of my favorite boards that still remains in the guide, um, the Amplit Unweight, has been a uh, black top sheet for a few years now, and maintaining.
0: Dude, I feel like you first got on that board about. I mean, like, without if I had to be accurate, I feel like that was like seven years ago. Am I
4: off? It it's it could be seven or eight years. Yeah.
0: Yeah um in fact you you told me you're like i'm creating a new award for this it's the your your longest standing favorite product and of of any snowboard gear you can think of you're you're giving your longest standing favorite product award to the amplet on weight
4: i am it's it's served me well over the years and is uh kind of set me up for a bit of a baseline to judge what other boards are or doing. I've been on it so long. I've seen a few iterations of it. Um, this last iteration has remained pretty stable, which I think is a good thing. Don't change something that's not broken. Right. Um, like Yeah, so I mean, if I were to commit to just one board, that would be it.
0: One board, single board quiver?
4: It, yeah.
3: Huh. Dear Lord.
4: Yep, yeah, I would. Granted, conditions govern that a bit. Out here in the Rockies, we get the you know, we get some good powder days. You definitely have to work a little harder to get this board through the powder because it is traditional camber and quite stiff. So it won't be as easy as one of the volume shift boards to ride around and powder. But I think it delivers in other ways with good pop and really good edge hold. So you can really move around the mountain easily.
0: It sounds like it probably shouldn't be the board I'm on for my first day ever. No, we want to limit your edge catch. Yes, that's the only <laughs> thing we care about to be honest yeah. yeah, that's the only thing we care about is limiting that um okay, so that that's a big deal. I mean that gets your award for longest standing favorite product um wow, so good job, amplet on weight um well, if that is kind of like a lifetime achievement award, let's go a little more sort of of the moment and talk about. The, some like some of the things that were on your radar in terms of best of awards for, you know, this twenty-three, twenty-four season, or I we could kind of cheat this a little because really it can mean sort of a product that you've been spending some time on for the last year or two. Yeah. What do you have? What's on your radar for your best of?
4: Gotcha. So the the first one on that list is the Wonder Alpine Bel Air. Um they're a company that I came to familiarize with when they released their skis. And I actually got my wife, Mel, some skis pretty into what they're doing overall with the algal sidewalls. And I was kind of wondering, like, when are they going to make a snowboard? And they did. And it took me a little longer to get on it than I wanted. But I got on one after the summit last year. And I absolutely love it. It's kind of a bit of a paradox for me because I like really stiff boards. And it's kind of a bad habit to get into, but I think it does provide some useful information as the hand flex test. And uh, this one didn't quite fail my standards, but it was softer than what I would have just chosen based off that. Uh, You don't feel that at all when you're riding this board. And it's got really good lateral stability, so torsional stiffness, which kind of makes up for the the soft spot sort of in the middle of the board. So it gripped much better than I would have expected and it actually has quite a bit of pop and it really floats well in the powder. Uh, it's got a big nose up front, directional shape, so... I think it definitely deserves a a best of as we've discussed, you know, that's kind of a strange award because there's lots of good things with lots of products, but this also is one that I want to get on more, spend more time on anything else on your
0: radar in terms of best of contention.
4: Yeah. So I was lucky enough to get more split boarding time last year and I was on a Volay skyline split board. And this was the widest of the split boards. The guide is organized with the snowboard section from the the thinnest waist to the widest waist. And this one is the widest in the split board category coming in right at a 272 in the middle. So fairly wide. And that width is really good because in the steeps, you get extra edge hold. You can support your edge on steeper slopes a lot easier. And overall, it's a pretty big volume board. So it has really good float. And it does have a traditional camber, but it really pivots easily in the softer snow. So we're not riding split boards on groomers very often. It's got quite a big radius. You're not going to do tight, big carves on it. It's kind of hard to wield on the harder snow, but it also has really good dampening. So coming out of like a run out, if there's some AVI debris or anything that would induce some chatter, it handles that extremely well. So it really has a speed limit that i want to get on a little bit more and test that speed limit a little further
0: see that sounds like a board that i should be on for day one on a super low angle mellow good pow day on snodgrass we go skin up a bit and then i just come down on the very forgiving easygoing sounding skyline
4: and you're just going to point it and be a, have a vibration free ride. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. No broken wrists. This sounds perfect. I got the rest of my life to learn how to carve a snowboard. Day 1, I just want to have a good time. Okay, day 2, we'll we'll get you carving. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Deal. Deal. Just no broken wrists on day 1. And I feel like we'll all have one. Um okay, to be continued on that. Yeah. Um Well, okay, so another thing that Luke, Kara, and Dylan and I talked a good bit about is products that we are most eager to get on this coming season. I mean, you've already just said you want to get more time on the skyline. Um, What else are you looking forward to getting on?
4: Yeah, well, I feel pretty fortunate to have gotten on these boards in the first place. And so it's kind of setting the stage for what's coming up next. There was a board that we got sent a little late in the season, the Jones Solution, which has been in their line for quite a while. I am looking forward to spend more time on that because I didn't really get that one a good shake. So I'm pretty excited for that. And I want to try more of the volume shift snowboard. So I've uh, had very little experience with those. Um, I know it does,
0: seem, it does seem like those are actually kind of the
4: opposite of what you particularly...
0: Tend to go for it. You just said you like you like really stiff, pretty traditional, highly cambered shapes. Exactly. Yep. Okay.
4: And so it's like some old man stuff. You sound very 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 old right now. It is the traditional camber, traditional for a reason, I guess. But Mm. yeah, I do. And you know, some of those habits are hard to break. You you get used to riding a snowboard a certain way, and a lot of these uh, volume shift boards, you get to ride them differently Re- you know you don't have to rely on the tail quite as much and they really are designed to have a little more surfy feel so i like moguls a lot a lot of snowboarders don't like moguls and i see these being pretty uh fun in some slushy moguls in the springtime so i think you might
0: like moguls more than more than like any other snowboarder and probably way more than a lot of skiers i love them
4: I I will always take the mogul route as opposed to the the other route. Uh
3: I I'm I'm with you. Um yeah,
4: we got to do more of it. Um okay, anything else. One thing I do want to try to do more of this season is actually try some boots out. Yeah. Um I think we're, we've got a pretty good lineup of of boards and lots of boards to test. I want to look at the boots a little bit because just like skiing, I think the boots are the most important part. It's the first point of connection. And I think it's also probably the area of snowboarding that could be the most improved. It seems like they they don't uh, change too much on the snowboard boot side from year to year and keep running into some of the same issues of misstated flex and sizing issues. and souls coming apart or not being that grippy and rocky conditions Mm. so that's just a a, a, what i'm looking forward to
0: okay checking out some more stuff on that front yeah Mm -hmm. all right well um since we we're really starting to push it at what point my eyes close and i just don't come back you actually got on this call and we had to almost wake me up um I so uh did have to wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just sitting here waiting for you and it's like if he's like five minutes late, that's five minutes of sleep I might be able to get here. But before I let you go, um I understand you have a new crashes and close crashes or close call story for me, except in this case it's a crash.
4: Yeah, I'd call this one a crash. we um, will make this quick so you can go to bed. Um, it's another biking story. I think my last one was a bike story. Um, yeah, so, By the way, how's your, how's your hand doing from it, the last injury? All the way healed. Really? I, I guess it just heals slower these days. Um, okay. Feeling pretty good. Full range of motion, grip, everything. So, Okay. Happy ending there. Happy ending. Um, so another bike story. I have this cargo e-bike that i use to drive the kids around to school and all over town so it's got the long bench on the back in the cage and they sit on the back and i ride on the front that is amazing it actually rides around town much better than i would have expected a cargo bike it's pretty heavy i don't know how much it weighs but it is heavy enough where it hurts when it falls on you so i had my sister in town she was visiting and i was like let's go for a little e-bike ride so we Throw so around on the back where the kids sit and I'm in the front driving and I'm starting to carve around the bike path. We're going down and we get to a destination. I'm carving through this like kind of loose gravel and through. <laughs> <I'm thinking> get- <laughs> <laughs> oh no! get right to the end where her room is. And I lay it down on the left side. Jamie's in the back of the cage right in front of her husband, Nate, who's <laughs> finishing his fellowship right now so yeah he must have seen you know he looked a little shocked but (laughs) yeah so at the moment it didn't really hurt that bad but things tend to hurt more after the fact so i got a little worried about my knee that i maybe had popped something as i was hobbling for about two weeks and uh, my sister testament to those uh protective cages in the back was basically unharmed i had some like scrapes and cuts and everything all up and down in my knee from the bike landing on me but she bared pretty well but now she has a little thing on her elbow that she's actually going to go check out with an orthopedist uh, due to this bike crash so we'll see what the results are of that but okay. something silly again turned into <laughs> a crash that could potentially have some medical implications and financial implications so
0: Okay, well, you have Blister Plus. I do. I don't know that your sister Jamie or our dear friend Nate, I don't know that they have Blister Plus. Now, they're both, Jamie's a nurse, Nate is, yeah, finishing up his fellowship, he's a doctor, and so I don't know exactly what their insurance looks like, to be honest, but do you have any sense? Like, are like when Jamie gets checked out, will she be able to have that kind of covered or is she going to have to pay for that?
4: I think it depends. I think it goes into what deductibles are and everything. But I think even if you have insurance paid for through, you know, a service already, uh, it makes sense to do blister plus spot coverage as well.
0: Because yeah. So she might still just have a, pretty high deductible all right well so i'm overdue i'm literally overdue to have another like video catch-up call with jamie and (laughs) nate we were supposed to do it last sunday and my schedule fell apart so i need to catch up with those two soon and get them on the get them on the program um especially if she's going to be riding around on an e-cargo bike with you that's right i don't think she'll do that again (laughs) no no maybe i don't want you to be there when i'm snowboarding You're kind of a like angel of crashes. It's like the angel of death, except not quite as severe.
4: I know. It's kind of a paradox because I I could be useful to you in aiding your efforts to not crash. But also, if you do crash, I could be useful as well because I could give you some uh, psychological healing, make you feel all right by telling you that you're okay.
0: But more to the point, when you do show up, crashes tend to happen. Sure. I'll accept that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I I'm glad you healed from the last crash story. You're you're doing okay on this one or it's too early to tell?
4: No, I'm I'm I feel pretty healed up, but again, it it took longer than I thought and I was limping pretty hard for about 2 weeks. So, I don't know at which point I decided to not go get it checked out further, but I guess the real answer is I I should have probably just gotten it checked out right away.
0: <laughs> Dude. You actually have the coverage, so yeah, you should. And anyway, we'll we'll talk. I think there's a lot of education going, <laughs> on. And, old, and frankly, old old habits to break. I think for a lot of us, yeah, uh, where we like break the culture of like not getting checked out. So anyway, we'll we'll keep all collectively working on this. But um, anyway, j Bob, it's great to catch up, and that, my friend, brings us to the end of this. Edition of Gear 30. So I want to say thanks to Luke and Kara and Dylan and you for talking snowboards with me. I also want to thank you for producing this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of our dear listeners for being patient with us. And again, folks, one last time go leave us that rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, We got risks to break. We have jbob to put his paramedic training into use on me then we'll see if i actually go use the blister plus coverage to go get checked out there's a lot going on <laughs> this, and a lot of iq tests involved so um but no man it would it would really be fun to uh i i, I kind of now like my first day on a board i'm gonna have to wait we get to do it together, whether that's me coming down to Taos or you getting up to Crested Butte, but like we will, we will 100% do this, and we're going to document it. It's going to be on video. We'll have it forever.
4: I'm pretty excited. I'll, well, I'll come up. Count me in. Okay. Okay.
0: Catch you. In. I'll save. I'll save your your typical spot outside on my deck, uh, which is your preferred place to sleep when you're in Crested Butte.
4: Yes, it is. I'm excited to get back there. <laughs>
0: All right, sir. Thank you so much. And to everybody listening, have a fantastic weekend. Um, I'm here in Bentonville, Arkansas for the very first time. i um, going to be riding bikes down here the next three days. And um, yeah, been fun uh, coming into this town and checking it out a little bit. And so uh, I'm going to get back to my investigative sleuthing around here. Back in Crested Butte late Monday night. And that's the program. So everybody else, enjoy your weekend and we will talk to you real soon.